Flight Path Studios. It's John Frickin' Smith Walks Dogs with your host, me, John Frickin' Smith, king of the aftermarket seat covers lifestyle, co-hosted by America's most underappreciated artificial intelligence entity, Iris. Welcome back, listeners. I, w- I was shocked to find out that I actually do have listeners. Uh, at least I have people sucking the files out of my website, so... If, you're, if there are people attached to that on the other end, then thanks for coming back. There's a uh, thunderstorm going on right now as I uh, record this with no script and no plan and barely any notes. Uh, I had to let Iris go. Iris was really just a lot of trouble and, and not worth it. Uh, even though uh, I gave her breasts in a human form, she was just taking too much time and too much effort just... So uh, I replaced her with Alexa because uh, there was Amazon Prime days and I got two Echo devices. But uh, Alexa is so far not much better and it's extremely creepy to me. But at this point in my life, privacy really doesn't matter. There's nothing of interest for anybody except for people who want to charge me more for health insurance or whatever. Anyway, here's how Alexa works. Alexa, play the podcast just in time with the JNT Baggers. Getting the latest episode of Just in Time with the JNT Baggers. Here it is from iHeartRadio. This is your weekly moment of growth. Life gives us challenges to make us stronger, to make us grow and develop so that one day we can spread our wings and fly. One day a small gap appeared in the cocoon through which the butterfly had to appear. A boy who accidentally oh, passed by. Alexa, stop. So uh, so Alexa herself is, is pretty scary. There's a story of a couple in Oregon, uh, and apparently it sent a recording that they didn't know was being made of them having a conversation to someone in their contact list, allegedly through an improbable series of events in which something spoken turned into a command for Alexa. Uh, But apparently uh, Alexa is always listening from what I read. At least it's always, and it's recording. I don't know if it's always, it's hard to tell from the article whether it's always listening or whether it's only recording after it gets its wake word, which is uh, Alexa. Uh, But I suspect it's always recording unless you mute the speaker and I'm not even convinced that the mute function does anything it may just turn on a light for all I know Uh, I just at this point I don't know there's any reason to trust it uh, any more than I would trust Mark Zuckerberg there's some other scary things in the privacy world this is an NPR story there's a company that vacuums up all the relevant information from your social media and then uh it sells that to uh, health insurance companies, which they can use to adjust your rates. That's pretty frightening. Uh, I think the headline for that one is, health insurers are vacuuming up details about you and it could raise your rates. Another one uh, that's a little scary is, uh, is a partnership between the, in which a lot of money exchanged hands between Glaxo, SmithKline, Big Pharma, and 23andMe, the people who have been collecting 
genetic information on from everybody who, whether they know it or not, volunteers it when they uh, get their test results from 23andMe. I wonder if you can hear that thunderstorm in the background. Anyway, you know, you think, well, that could be a good thing because in developing drugs, that genetic information should be extremely useful. On the other hand, uh, if they're making partnerships with, with uh, commercial enterprises, then why aren't the insurers vacuuming up this and saying, hey, you know what? These people are genetically predisposed to some expensive illnesses. We should uh, jack up their rates. So uh, we've really got to stop giving away our information free, I think. Um, I'm not sure what to do about it. I thought maybe it would even be worth it to pollute the, the data pool so that at least if we're not getting any money out of all this data we're giving away or they're taking from us, depending on how you look at it, at least we can make it worthless to them. It's a, just a disinformation campaign. If everybody would agree to do it, it could uh, it could bring down the whole uh, that whole shadow economy. I forget what they call it. Hang on, let me uh, I'll look it up. Uh, surveillance economy, and I think there's a book on it by uh, a woman named Shoshana Zuboff or Zuboff. I don't know how you pronounce it. Anyway, that's a book uh, we should probably all read and terrify ourselves with. Uh, in other news, I've been watching a lot of comedy lately on Netflix. Uh, Netflix, uh, as you may know, recently hired uh, former ambassador Susan Rice to be on their board of directors. Susan Rice was the one uh, that went in front of the cameras and told the entire world that the reason the Americans were killed at the embassy and the annex in Benghazi was as a spontaneous revolt as a result of a YouTube video. So she is very adept at fictional storytelling. And she clearly has an interest in, in video as a storytelling medium. Uh, she's also the one who uh, said that Bo Bergdahl, the uh, convicted deserter, served with honor and distinction. So she's, uh, she's having a lot of input over there in Netflix, which is pretty comedic in itself, actually. Anyway, I've been uh, watching a lot of comedy specials on Netflix. Really enjoy almost all of them. Uh, some of the young, younger comics were hysterical. Uh, the ones I just happen to remember, I remember Dimitri Martin and Norm MacDonald and the guy who looks like uh, an eagle. And uh, uh, then there's some that I just did not care for because I think they got either too political or the attitude of the performer was one that just, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. And there's no point about names on that, but I got, got thinking about comedy and that was another thing that I, I thought I'd watch. I don't know if it was CNN or Netflix where comedians talk about is there, can you go too far? When do you go too far? And I'm sure that led to interesting discussions. I started thinking about some things that, uh, had made me laugh in the past that I felt really guilty about uh, and I had, I had to ask myself why I laughed. This was one time it was years and years ago like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, I was working construction. You worked really hard. You, you had that good kind of tired at the end of the day, that exhausted kind of thing. 
And one day we had this, uh, this African-American guy who was working with us, and we just had him for like a couple of days on our crew. We were taking him home, and uh, we drove by a, a graveyard. And uh, he uh, looked out the window, and he looked kind of pensively uh, as we drove by the, the gravestones, and he said, Look at all those people be dying for their country. Then he went, better luck next time. And he laughed hysterically. And we laughed, too. Uh, even though, you know, heroes dying for your country is not comedic. If anything but. It should, you know, inspire profound gratitude, if anything but. We laughed uh, hysterically. And in that case, I think it was just the unexpected. You know, it was, we expected him to make some sort of profound statement after witnessing the gravestones, but in, <laughs> instead it was uh, just an off-the-cuff sort of, eh, better luck in the next life. Uh, I never forgot that because I, was, I felt so weird laughing. And then another time, the, uh, the guy who was the head of this construction crew, he was uh, kind of... Uh, Colorful, shall we say. A um, lot of smoking and drinking. Uh, at lunchtime, he used to uh, drive us to the parking lot where there was a, a window at the shopping mall where the aerobic studio was going on. Uh, and uh, he'd sit there eating his lunch while he was watching the ladies bend over and whatnot. That was the kind of guy he was. Uh, Although he was also a good guy in many ways, too. He tried to help out some people in, in trouble, friends and family and such. But uh, one day we were driving along, coming back from the job, and there was a woman jogging. She was running real hard, very fit. You know, you could tell she was committed to a healthy lifestyle. And he rolled down the window and yelled, You can't run that face off! And that was another time where I just, I laughed and felt just horribly guilty because it's like one of the worst things you could possibly say to a complete stranger for no reason at all. I, I, it was just so ridiculous to me. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was a Don Rickles effect or something. It's, it's, I just never forgot it. I said, why did I laugh at that? That's just cruelty. Just anonymous cruelty. Uh, oh, but maybe part of the thing with comedy is it helps us. It's the spoonful of sugar. It helps us face things that we're terrified of. Like uh, death, in the case of the gravestone. Or, in the case of the woman, things we can do nothing about. Things we are helpless to affect one way or the other. Uh, I think that is a, a reason for comedy. And uh, maybe the closer it dances with tragedy, the funnier it is, or the funnier we perceive it, or we, the bigger relief laugh it gets. But comedy doesn't have to be mean. I, as I said before, I think the unexpected can be amazingly powerful comedically. Uh, I was reading the Steve Martin book called uh, 
Born Standing Up, and that is a fantastic book to read. Um, very well written, obviously. He's a, he's a writer. So, uh, but one of the, the jokes that I remember from it is not one of his. It's one he borrowed when he was under under the gun to do so, get a, a comedy TV show written. And the joke is, it was a lot, this joke was a lot funnier when television was the only way to watch uh, broadcast other than movies. Anyway, the joke was uh, something like, uh, a new study shows that Americans watch more television than any other appliance. <laughs> That's sort of a, maybe it's, it sort of reminds me of S.J. Perlman, some uh, Marx Brothers kind of stuff. It's just unexpected at the at the end than any other appliance. Uh, but that's kind of a timeless humor thing. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's uh, and it's just amazingly funny. Comedy that's not hostile. That's I think that's a special kind of talent. I think that's a high end of comedy. I think that's I think you're highly developed when you can do that. Anyway, uh, believe it or not, I'm thinking about. Uh, working up a little comedy routine and uh, maybe getting the balls to try it somewhere like a five minute open mic night <laughs> or some shit we'll see uh, anyway uh, I want to mention something else that uh, has happened lately which is that I finally went to uh, our local farmers market now I'm, I'm air quoting farmers market because my neighborhood is profoundly gentrified last fall they had a $200 free-range turkey for sale for Thanksgiving. And uh, then they, after they had announced that, they said, and we accept the SNAP program. Like, the food stamp people are going to go, you know, this year I'd really like to get a free-range organic turkey. So I thought I ought to check out this, this farmer's market. And uh, it really didn't disappoint. Kind of small like maybe, you know, it's only been going a couple of years, but maybe 15 tents, booths. Uh, there were some vegetables, and I found some fruit that was at least on a par with the cost of fruit at the grocery store. I could not tell the price of the vegetables for sale. They just, the lines were too long, and there were no signs showing what things cost, so... And there was a really small quantity of vegetables <laughs> there. So I just sort of walked by that one. They did have a, have a lot of um, artisanal bread. Expensive bread, I believe. But again, there were no prices, so it was hard to tell. In fact, I, the whole thing seemed to have this feel like if you're concerned with prices, you're in the wrong area. It's, you know. Anyway, but the saddest booth that I saw there was the guy from the local compost <laughs> compost advocacy group <laughs> you know it's like I forget what the name of it was but you know he had a little tent and he had a little box of what I assume were like the uh, whatever that starter crap is you put in your septic tank or <clears throat> in your doggy dooley uh, or your compost heap and then he had some like pamphlets and that was it 
It's like, uh, and no one was stopping there. He was just watching people walk by the entire time. Uh, I guess rotting food was the last thing on the minds of these shoppers. And another guy was uh, the local chiropractor. And what he, what's he doing at a farmer's market? You hurt yourself lifting a bushel of peaches? That can't be because there weren't, there weren't any bushels of peaches there. There were little bags for eight dollars, but you're not gonna hurt yourself with that. Yeah, uh, I walked by him. He went, "How you doing? Fine." You know knowing that he's doing that all day or at least is all morning how long the farmer's market goes and he'd say just once I wish someone would say not doing so great my back's a little tweaked and then he'd be on you know on a, on a roll ready to apply his solution but uh, anyway I've got more stories uh, about the world's most horrible man Carl but uh, I feel like I should save them because I've got a a film script idea in which he figures prominently and some of these stories are just I'm saving them for that screenplay uh, I do have one though that I'll go ahead and share uh, when my wife Linda when her uh, mother was dying Carl said to another employee She's been taking a lot of time off. Who does she think she works for, me or her mother? So, uh, yeah, the world's most horrible man. Um, in other news, I've asked the, uh, the boys at the Just In Time podcast, Just In Time with the JNT Baggers, I think is the official name, to give me their interpretation of a particular shot in the Netflix series Sense8 involves a uh, sex device uh, and I'm trying to figure out if it was a gratuitous shot or if it's somehow critical to the plot before I consider resuming that series and uh, I look forward to hearing what they got to say uh, but you should check out their podcast if you like hearing a bunch of uh, stone guys talk about movies in uh in games and just generally have fun i mean it's fun you just, you get a contact high just listening to it you don't have to actually smoke weed yourself just in time podcast with the jnt beggars and lastly if you want to leave a message for john freaking smith you can uh, do so at 210-564-7035. You can uh, find me on Twitter under J Freakins. It's F-R-E-A-K-I-N-S on Twitter before I changed it to Frickin'. But uh, on if you just search John Frickin' Smith, uh, you should find it. Although it's John Freakin' Smith on Twitter. So anyway, yeah, there it is. Um, hit me up with anything you like. Uh, Stories about comedy, just generally interesting things, or stories of economic collapse, a particular favorite of mine since I've experienced one. Uh, I think we might be heading for another one. Certainly nothing has been done to prevent it. And uh, 
They only get bigger and badder as they go along. I'm not sure we'll survive the next one. Meanwhile, keep your ears open for this. I think he's a congressman, but he sounds like he's related to Foghorn Leghorn or Senator Claghorn or some Warner Brothers creation or actually Claghorn was a radio show. Maybe the Fred Allen show. Anyway, keep your ears open for this guy. He was... He's really enamored with the term lubed up. He keeps repeating, let's not get all lubed up. Um, but even when I think someone may have finally told him to stop saying that, but uh, he certainly can't help himself with colorful language. So keep, a, keep an ear out for this guy. I try not to get all lubed up one way or the other because we just don't know. And by the way, what does lubed up one way or another mean? I mean, I feel like we should nail down the way in which we're getting looped up, just so there are no surprises. In other news, as part of my long-term goal of sitting on the porch of a cabin in the mountains and firing into the trees at real or imagined revenuers, I've been learning the banjo. Also, partly because I, I had a banjo, I've always wanted to learn it, but I had just been sitting around after I bought one. But once I read the Steve Martin book, and then listened uh, to a track that he did called The Great Remember. I said, you know, I really gotta spend a little time with this instrument. So I've been spending time with it. Uh, I'm working on claw hammer. It's gonna take me a while. <laughs> I realized when I tried to record this. Uh, but it is a fun, fun instrument. And uh, claw hammer's starting to feel slightly more natural. I'm, I'm getting there. And now uh, I'll close with my first and possibly my last banjo tune. This is John freaking Smith. Thanks for listening. Alexa, play the album Songs of the Great Collapse by John Frickin' Smith. I can't find the album Songs of the Great Collapse by John Frickin' Smith. Alexa, it's John Frickin' Smith. Play songs by John Frickin' Smith. No G on Frickin'. Mm.